Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Of God, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you because I'm anointed to teach. I thank you because your people are anointed to receive, to understand the word. And I pray that tonight our lives will be supernaturally transformed as we look into the perfect law of liberty. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So we have been discussing about the, the prayer life of Jesus. Amen? And we've done that for three sessions uh, talking about the prayer life of Jesus. How many of you are learning some things from, that mes- from the message? Are you learning something? Amen. But most importantly, you know, the Bible says that there are some people who are ever learning and they are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, so apart from learning, you must be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How do you come to the knowledge of the truth? You begin to practice. Okay, you become a doer of the word. Now, the word you do not act on cannot profit you. Okay, the word you do not act on cannot do what? Cannot profit you. So, if the word has to profit you, you have to act on it. Everybody say, act on it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5. We, we have two foundational scriptures uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and Luke chapter 5. So, Go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. I, I am hoping that after going through this series, you'll never forget these two scriptures. Okay? They should be burned in your heart. So Hebrews chapter 5 and verse what? Verse 7. Um, I, I, I want to I read from the Amplified Version. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions. For that which he not only wanted, but needed. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And he, and he, he was heard because of his reverence towards God, his godly fear, his piety, in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. But what I want to pick here is that he was praying with strong crying and tears. So we said that in the days of the flesh of Jesus, in his humanity, he prayed intensely. He wasn't just praying quiet prayers. He was praying in strong tears and intense prayers. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. The prayer life of Jesus. How Jesus had the habit of praying. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Verse 16. He himself, talking about Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So we've talked about this a lot, that Jesus had times of separation unto prayer. And this must become our lifestyle. We must become a people of prayer. Not just because we want something from God, but we have understood and we talked about prayer 
being a means of communication, of fellowship, of interaction with God. And we saw that Jesus had the habit of always separating himself from people to pray. If you would separate yourself from some things, you would grow in your spirit. Hallelujah. You would grow in your spirit. For some of us, the time we give to social media, the time we give to football, the time we give to our endless discussion and chatter and talk, if we would give ourselves to prayer, listen, nobody, there's nobody um, who does not have the time to pray. They are just too busy to pray. If you have time to eat, then you have time to pray. If you have time to sleep, then you have time to pray. Your prayer life must be run, listen carefully to this now, your prayer life must be run by discipline. Everybody say discipline. discipline. Let me hear that loud and clear. Discipline. discipline. Your prayer life must be run by discipline. Meaning that you, you pray. Now, um, as I was getting ready for this meeting, I've been spending some time in prayer, but I, I had told myself today that the minimum I was going to pray today was two hours. And uh, I realized uh, in, the, in the morning I had, uh, uh, I had to do something at the bank for someone, you know, a friend called me to do something. I discovered, so I went out and got back. I was doing something. I went to pick the kids, came back home. I realized that uh, it was almost uh, 3 o'clock. It was almost 3 o'clock. And we needed to get ready for service and all that. So I, I just told uh, the kids were home, and I, and I just told them, I said, hey, you stay here and watch, uh, watch television. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be out for an hour. So I had to uh, set my time from 3.30 to 4.30, just praying in the Spirit. Now, I could have said, I could have said, oh, the children are home. Who would look after them, right? And before you know, the day is gone. You haven't prayed. Like I said before, I've said it before, teach your children to respect your prayer time. Teach your children. Let them know, I am going to pray, and I'm saying this long. And they know that uh, if I come out from the place of prayer, even though I've been talking to my Heavenly Father, and I come out and find out that they have misbehaved, I will, in the spirit of the prayer, flog them righteously. In, in the spirit of the prayer, I will be empowered to beat them. They know. So, 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 so they also realize that even though I am praying, it's not a license for the house to be scattered before I come up. You, you understand that? Because these are the little reasons why we don't give ourselves to prayer. These are the little reasons. Oh, I'm too busy. By the time I finish cooking, I'm just tired. Oh, by the time I, oh, by the children. You cannot use your children as an excuse for your prayerlessness. You cannot use your wife as an excuse for your prayerlessness. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? We do not, look at your neighbor and say, do you have an excuse not to pray? What did they say? Everybody said no, right? You know why they said no? Come on, do you know why you, they said no? Because you're asking them in church. We all tell the truth in church. Isn't that true? But when you go out, and if I ask, how many of you have been praying consistently the last one week? Then you begin to, uh... Your prayer life must be a discipline. If you, listen, even if you're talking to your friends and you realize you haven't prayed, you can excuse them. Sorry, I want to pray. Can we continue the discussion later? Some of them will say, ah, what is it? You can pray always. Say no. I have a friend like that. 
We, at a point in school, we knew when he was to pray. So even when your flesh was moving you to visit him, you say, ah, no, he'll be praying at 2 to 3. Ah, the guy is always praying that time. If you don't build the standards of your spiritual life, people will encroach on it. Are you following what I'm saying? If you don't build the standards, don't be ashamed to tell your friend, sorry, I can't take a call now. I want to spend some time in prayer. Oh, it's urgent. I mean, what can be more urgent than you talking to your heavenly father? Hallelujah. Have you realized that at the end of the day, when all those problems come, then we still want to pray? Are you following this? So your prayer life must be what? Must become a discipline. Tell yourself, I'm going to spend three hours in prayer. So let me, let me just share this with you. Sometimes I tell myself, today I want to spend four hours in prayers. Okay? So you know what I do? I don't spend, sometimes I don't spend the whole four hours in prayers. Like I pray four hours at a stretch. Then you must also realize this is not competition. Okay? Yeah, because I see sometimes I, I'm seeing handbills all over the place now. Six hours of prayers. Seven hours of praise. It's unnecessary. Really. You don't need to. But if you have to, it's fine. fine. But then you go in and you can say, for instance, you want to pray four hours, okay, in a day. So you can say, I'm going to pray one hour in the morning. Okay? Then you can take one hour uh, at your lunch time to pray. That's maybe your lunch break. Okay? Then you can take two hours at night. So you realize that you've prayed four hours that day. Or you can take one hour in the morning and take 30 minutes in your lunch time. Okay, and then immediately you come back from school before you eat, uh, you take another 30 minutes, that's two hours. Then in the night, okay, uh, before you watch your midweek news, you pray another 30 minutes, then you can watch the news, and you come after the news, you pray another 30 minutes, and just break it up before you realize you would have spent quality time in prayer. And this is how I, I began to grow up in these things. I told myself, what is the tithe of my time? What is the tithe of my time? You know what tithe is? 10%, right? <laughs> Some of you don't like to hear the word tithe. What does tithe mean? 10%. All right. Okay. Now, so, so I asked myself, what is the tithe of my time? What's the tithe of 24 hours? Two hours? No. Two hours what? Two hours, 40 minutes. Okay. So if two hours, 40 minutes is the tithe of your time, can you start from saying, I am going to give the tithe of my time to spiritual things? So, uh, I'll say this, that you give an hour to prayer and an hour for the... And, uh, so, this is how I started. I started by giving a tithe of my time to God, by giving one hour to prayer, one hour to, to, the, to Bible studies, and 40 minutes for confession of the word. Okay? So we can just agree that, listen, I want to constantly tithe my time to God. That means I want to tithe my 24 hours. At least give God 10% of my 24 hours, which is 2 hours, 40 minutes. So you can start by praying 1 hour and use 1 hour to study the word and 40 minutes to just confess the word and declare the word. That's how I, I started growing. And this thing has to be disciplined. You do not pray because you feel like praying. You pray because you have to pray. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. Now, one of the things I do, I just want to share some practical things with you today, and now we'll still get into the word. But one of the things I do also is sometimes I play messages to pray. Okay, so I get certain messages, uh, and uh, I know this message is one hour, right? 
So I just start playing the message and start praying. And I end my prayers when the message is done. Okay? Now, something about noise and music, it, it helps you to compress time psychologically. That's why sometimes you, you observe that if you play worship music, you can pray longer than when the place is just quiet. So you can use those things to help yourself, like play music uh, and pray. Now, playing music and praying doesn't mean that you now start worshiping. You know, there are people like that, right? Where you say, let's pray, and then the, 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 the worship team is singing. Then they stop their prayer and start singing. Singing is not prayer. Okay? If you're praying, then pray. If you're singing, sing. If you're dancing, dance. If you're whatever you're doing, do it. If you're praying, the music can be playing in the background and you spend time to pray. So the tithe of your time, the tithe of the 24 hours that God has given to you is two hours for the minutes. You must make sure foundationally that you're spending at least two hours for the minutes of your time every day in spiritual growth activities. What are the spiritual growth activities? Praying the word, studying the word, meditating on the word, and what? Confessing the word. Amen. I said amen. amen. So if we can begin to just say, I'm going to give a tithe of my time to God, it can help us to grow. So let's look at, um, when Jesus was teaching about prayers, he also, outside of the things he taught directly, he used some parables to teach about prayers. So I want to look at one of the parables. So this is the prayer life of Jesus, part four. Is this part four? Yeah, I think. Yeah? Part four. Okay. You guys don't even know the parts. <laughs> uh, Luke chapter 18. This is part four. Even if it was not part four, I have called it part four. But it is part four. Luke chapter 18 and verse one. <laughs> You know, we can get up to part 10 of the prayer life of Jesus. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. So we want to look at the parable that Jesus said about prayers. Luke chapter 18 verse 1 and it stops at verse 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that man always ought to pray and not lose heart. Men always ought to pray. Of course, these men will include women. Right? Okay. Mankind always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying there was a certain, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Look at how this man was described by God himself. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she wearies me. I want you to, to follow that. By her continual coming, I want you to observe the word continual coming. By her continual coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge said. And God shall, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, will he really find faith on the earth? I want to read from the Amplified Version. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect. Now, if you read 
uh, the, the New King James Version. He says, then he spoke a Bible to them that men all, always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Okay? Now, if you read the Amplified Version, it says, and also Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn cowards, faint, lose heart, or give up. Now, this is very interesting. Now, the parable was because of something. The focus is really not the parable. The parable is supposed to teach them what? A lesson. Do, do, do you understand that? Now, so the Amplified Version brings it out properly. It says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect. The reason Jesus told them this parable is that they all ought always to pray and not turn cowards. That means to faint, to lose heart, and to give up. The, the, the Greek word, to lose that means to be spiritless, to be wearied out, or to be exhausted. He says the reason Jesus told them this parable is that they will not be exhausted. They will not be wearied in the place of prayer. Now he goes on to say, he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither reverenced and feared God nor respected or considered men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, protect, defend, and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Do I have neither reverence nor fear for God, nor respect or consideration for men? Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming, or at last she come and rail on me, or assault me, or strangle me. Then the Lord said, Man, this widow is not an easy widow. I'm telling you. You probably might know the cause of... Okay. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust just says. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, this is why I like the Amplified. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth. Now, if you read the New King James Version and you read the Amplified Version, in this particular story, the Amplified Version brings it out properly. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't saying like, if I come, will I find anybody with faith? That's not, the, that's not the context of the faith that Jesus was asking about. The context of the faith that Jesus was asking about in this parable was persistent faith. Hey, come on, are we together? Was what? Persistent faith. Faith that is persistent. Now, how does persistent faith play out? Persistent faith plays out in consistent prayers. Are you following that? So, if I have persistent faith, then I'm consistent in prayers. Because it is when my faith is beginning to wear out that I now withdraw my prayer life. Now, so you realize that no believer, no believer can have faith if they don't know how to pray. How do I know that? How does faith come? How, come on, talk to me now. How does faith come? By crying. How does faith come? By complaining. How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. By hearing. Now, where can you hear God often? You know, on your knees. As you pray, as you talk to him, he talks to you. As you talk to him, he talks to you. What's happening when God is talking to you? 
Faith is coming. Faith is coming. As you are praying, God is speaking to you. Faith is coming. So you realize that you can always be in faith if you can always pray. But how many of you realize the prayers we're talking about is not just prayers to ask God for something. We're just talking about fellowship right now. And and let me make this loud and clear. There's nothing wrong in asking God for something. He's your father. You should ask him. But we're talking about the habitual um, fellowship of prayers. So let's go back to verse 1 and and deal with this a bit. And he told them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Men always, always. What does the word always mean? (laughs) Every Every time, right? So we can say always means every time, right? Men every time ought to pray. <laughs> always means consistently, all the time, right? Pray every time. So when God is judging your prayer life, how is he judging it? He's judging it by how always you're praying. But how many of us know that some of us, God doesn't see us until the things get worse? Prayer is our last result. We, 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 beg, we beg it out. We hustle it out, we plan it out, we goal it out, we do everything. And when it doesn't work, I'm tired. And God said, that's what I've been waiting for. Just get tired. You know, some of our best prayers comes at the end of our human with. You know, there's this thing about man that feels like I can always sort it. I know the way. Right? If I ask some of you now, plan, I mean, if I, if I tell some of you, your destiny is to be the prime minister of Nigeria. Let's assume we use that uh, system of government. Your destiny is to be the prime minister of Nigeria. Plan your way to become a prime minister. I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Number one, I will be given birth to by Mohammed Buhari. <laughs> okay. I'll be giving birth to, you mentioned a very rich family. I'll school at uh, Kennedy School of Government. Now I'll go to Harvard. Now I'll do my internship in, uh, with Nelson Mandela. And then I'll fly in the Boeing 737 Dreamliner. And then I'll contest under uh, whatever party you want. Nigeria has 91. Choose. Abga. <laughs> and then I'll become the prime minister. Unopposed. That's going to be your plan, right? And that looks like a perfect plan. How many of you are going to plan your way to prime minister like Joseph? Like, number one, first step, I'm going to have a dream. They say, good, it's good to dream. Everybody should have a dream. Number two, my brothers are going to hate me because of my dream. (laughs) Number three, they will sell me. Number four, Potiphar will buy me. (laughs) Number five, Potiphar's wife will lie against me. Number six, I'll go to prison. Number seven, I'll interpret a dream. I'll help someone. Number eight, the person will forget me for two years. Number, <laughs> I mean, you won't do that. So if that's your part, how do you stay sane on your way to destiny? Prayers. Because things will happen in your life that doesn't look like the place God is taking you to. But how many of you know we don't judge our lives by what we are going through right now? Because that's exactly what it is. We're going through it. We're not staying there. So it is in the place of prayer we are able to embrace the will of God. 
It's in the place of prayer we are able to say, I know my Redeemer lives. That's not a sticker you buy in church. But he says, men ought always to pray. So there is something, we're going to go through a couple of scriptures. There is something about prayer that has to do with continuity and persistence. So let's go through a couple of scriptures. We'll come back to Luke chapter 18. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Are you learning something? Say amen. amen. Oh, the amen was low. Say amen. amen. All right. Romans chapter 12 verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. You know, it's amazing how the Lord instructs us. Patient in tribulation. You know, sometimes people, I, I, I want to tell you this. You, one of the ways you measure your, your maturity as a child of God is how your emotional state is when you're going through tough times. You know, sometimes if, you, if you're an usher, and I'm sure the ushers will experience this more, Tony and Co., you know people that are happy. She said, I mean, from the gate, they're just singing. They're dancing. And then the day they are sad, you know. As they're walking to the church, they're they are giving you a sign. Don't talk to me. Don't tell me where to sit down. Don't direct me. I'm just here for God and God alone. I don't care about you. I don't care about the pastor. I don't care about anybody. It's me and my God. Everybody clear. You know, and those days... You just open your hands like it's like choose wherever you want to go to. <laughs> you mean sit anywhere. The whole church belongs to you. You realize that when Paul was writing to the saint and says rejoice, I say to you rejoice. He was writing from prison. So you imagine someone in prison. Have you ever gone to the prisons? No, you should never go there. <laughs> I remember early days of ministry, I went to the prison to preach. So when you go, uh, John, the, an older minister, I was still a, a youth then. Maybe that's what just put the fear of, of, of prisons in my heart. I've never gone there to preach again. I just support the people who go to preach. I mean, we went, they took our phones, took everything. And uh, so they sent us to where the prisoners were to preach. When I saw them, I forgot the gospel completely. I mean, you see some guys with some marks on their face, some guys with bullet wounds. You see some guys and you just know that even if you were a judge, without even knowing what the person did, you just say, you, I sentence you to life in prison. I mean, by their look, you just sentence them. Like, I mean, and, you know, in church it's friendly. And now you're preaching to guys who don't, they don't care. I mean, I forgot everything about the gospel. Thank God I went with an older minister. But as, as man was preaching, I wasn't even here when he was preaching. I just thought to myself that ah, in a country where probably the system is not right, what about if we go outside now and you just realize that ah, they, they have forgotten that you, you signed in to preach? And they just, I mean, those are what was going through my mind. That they just now say, ah, you, ah, you joined my friend, all of you go to. Ah. In fact, I was praying that the man should finish his work. Immediately we came out, I told my dad, prison ministry, we will send money. Let me be preaching from outside. <laughs> now, that's, that's for me, who is a free man who went there to preach. How can a man in that kind of condition write to people who are outside and say, rejoice, I tell you rejoice. It means that there was something going on on his inside that was more than the four walls of the Roman prison. And until we have that, we haven't grown yet. 
Your salary is delayed by two days. Man, you are all over the place. Somebody did not put Mr. in front of your name. You are angry. I mean, that's why we need to pray. We just need to pray so that the Lord will keep working on us. We keep pruning us until we become like him in every respect of our lives. Amen. Let's read Romans 12, 12. So he was writing to them now, okay? (laughs) I like this. Rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayers. Every time Paul writes about prayers, he says, continue in it. That's, that's, that's really what I want to emphasize this evening. Let's not just take this prayer series and it's a good message. No, let's continue in prayer. Continue. Continue. You know, I've, I've heard people say, oh, Nigeria is not prayer Nigeria needs. Don't talk like that. You're talking like a child of the devil. Do you know where we would have been as a nation if not for prayers? Do you know where we are headed as a nation if not for prayers? We keep praying. We never get, pray- we, we never get tired of praying. Continue steadfastly in prayers. The Amplified Version says, be constant in prayer. Right? There's some equation we used to solve in those days, and they would say K is constant. Right? Let your prayer life not be variable. Let your prayer life be what? Be constant. Let your prayer life not be variable in your life. Be constant. Be a man who constantly prays. If there is a if there is a constant part of your life, it should be prayer. You, you remember about Daniel, right? That was the constant in his life. What did they say to Daniel? We will not find any fourth against him except in his prayer life. And what happened? <laughs> Regardless of what was going on, Daniel opened his window to Jerusalem and prayed three times steadily. I know it was some of us in that kind of condition and they make a decree nobody should pray. In fact, we will not even know if they made a decree because in the first place, there was no prayer life. So plus the decree, it just made it normal. So uh, were you praying before? In fact, you know, sometimes when you pray, your roommates are surprised. Have you observed? Uh, do you pray? <laughs> because, because your constant is prayerlessness. So the day you pray, it's almost a miracle. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Have a constant sense of a prayer life. Let your prayer life be a discipline. Let it not be optional. Tell your neighbor, let your prayer life. Oh, say it one more time. Say, let your prayer life be a discipline. Not optional. Be disciplined about it. Be disciplined about it. Ephesians 6. I'm going to pray and I will pray. Not, oh, I want to, I, want, I plan to pray before. You know, so every time I just plan to pray, something will come up. But every time you plan to eat, nothing comes up. Every time you plan to watch football, nothing comes up. Even some of us, I mean, you're preaching in church, and the guys want to watch football, and the time is, is more than uh, the football has started. They just go to life scores. Why are you preaching? Constantly checking the scores. 
that's so much discipline to just know what's going on. Why don't you put that in your life? There are some people that never miss a breakfast. They will always have breakfast. Even if they are late for work, they have tea by the gearbox. They have bread. They are driving and they are eating. Ah, I can't play with my breakfast. You should have that same attitude to prayer. The good thing is you can talk to God anywhere. That's the good thing. Look at this. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer. Praying always with all prayer. I'm just looking at the issue of constantly. Always pray. Men ought always to pray. Your prayer life should never go down. Your prayer life should never go down. You know, when we call for prayer meetings, you're amazed at the few people who come to pray. Why? The apostle says we'll give ourselves to word and to prayer. Look at this, the Amplified Version, verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer. Pray at all times, in every season. I like the in every season. In every season means when things are bad, pray. Now, it's easy for everyone to pray when things are bad, I tell you. Even if you didn't want to pray, your body will pray. You know, I've seen people who say, I can't pray very long. Ah, I don't know how to pray very long. Immediately I just pray, I just talk to God. God just hears, I'm just okay. Until they have an occasion or something happens. You have a child who is sick. You discover that sleep will, will go from your eyes. And then you pray very long. Pray in all seasons of your life. Even in the days of prosperity, still pray. Amen. I said, even in the days of prosperity, still do what? Still pray. In the days where you are happy, pray. In the days where you are sad, pray. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians 4 2. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians 4 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. Let's see how Apostle Paul writes to the churches. And he's telling them, pray always. Pray always. Continue in it. Don't give up on your prayer life. Keep praying. Don't be weary. Don't be exhausted. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't be someone whose prayer life goes off and on. You hear a message like this and you go home and they give you food say, no, I'm not eating. Tonight is prayer. Everybody should go and sleep and pray. And then the next two days, they are looking for you in the prayer room. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> You know, you hear some message and you're on fire. Even when they say, enter the bus, you are just speaking in tongues. Where am I to sit? They say, who is dropping in this junction? I am the one drop. You are just speaking. You can't wait to just get home, the door and pray. Even your landlady is calling you, you say, you are just, ah, don't worry, madam. You are just praying. After three days, they are looking for tongues in your life. They can't find anyone. 
You are speaking English, you are speaking French, you are speaking Portuguese, you are speaking Ibani, except tongues. No more prayer life. If you're that way, you will never grow. That's why the church is always wanting revival. You know, you, you, you always hear the word revival. Revival. Revival is for dead people. To revive. You know what revive is now? No, I mean, remove the spiritual connotation to it. What does it mean if I say I'm reviving you? What does it mean? It means you're about going. You understand what I'm saying? Oh God, send that revival. God has been reviving us. If you read church history, he has been reviving us. The way to sustain revival is constant prayers. Listen, because every revival, even in church history, was birthed by a season of prayers. The Wilsh Revival, the, the Azusa Street Revival. Every, so, you see, every revival is birthed by prayers, and then people start enjoying the fruits of the revival. And what happened? They stop praying, and the revival dies down. Then a new generation comes and says, Lord, oh Lord. By the time the revival comes, they don't pray anymore. And we learn it from the life of Jesus. When Jesus had great success, he gave himself to more prayer. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, the apostles have observed that from the life of Jesus. That's why when these things begin to come up in church administration and all that, you know what they said? They said, listen, you guys handle the table. Let's give ourselves to prayer and the study of the word. If you have a local congregation that is wise, if you pastor a wise church that is made up of wise people, they will do whatever it is in their power to make sure that the pastor is not bogged down on administration. Because you see what? If the pastor becomes the one who is checking, if there's light, checking, if there's fuel, checking, if everywhere is well, he will not have time for word and prayer. And before you know, the man will just be preaching something that is not fresh and new. And even as a minister of the gospel, you must deliberately pull yourself and tell yourself, listen, I need to spend time in word and prayer for the sake of the people and for your own assignment. If not, before you know, you will become a general contractor and general administrator. <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. The same thing in your own life. You must not get too busy that you're not giving yourself to word and prayer. Sometimes, pick out days and separate yourself to word and prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I like this. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. <laughs> what does it say? Pray without season. Are you there? Are you there? Or you don't want to read it? Are you there? Okay, let's read it. One, two, go. Pray without season. Perfect. Perfect. The Amplified says, be unseasoned in prayer. And I like the word it puts in bucket. Praying perseveringly. Bring perseverance into your prayer. Pray without season. Pray without stopping. Keep praying. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Keep what? Praying. Don't stop praying. Let your prayer life not be high today, low tomorrow, high the next day, low the other day, high, 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 low, 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 high, low. No. Let it be a constant life of prayer. 
We are having a camp meeting in the north, in, in Suleja, that's Mina, Niger State, in November, a youth camp. And uh, I had to send the team today, the, the team of the camp. And the team of the camp is ablaze spiritual fervency. And I want to teach them along this line. We must constantly be spiritually fervent. Never, I've said it, never be a believer who say, when I used to pray. Don't say it. Even though it's happening, be ashamed. Ah, in those days when we are praying, it's not this one that pastor is preaching. Please, don't say it. You see, anything you do constantly, you grow in it. If you're finding it difficult to pray for longer hours, it is because you had stopped praying. So let me tell you something. If you're praying one hour every day, if you're praying one hour every day, you know, a, a couple of, uh, two days ago I was praying, and I prayed for about an hour, and uh, I, I went out to do something, but I wasn't satisfied. It was like, as if I didn't pray. I wasn't satisfied. It, you know, it's almost like you are eating and you're not satisfied. So it, it's, it's, I mean, personally as, a, as an individual, it's, it's, it's praying for one hour is almost like that's when I want to start praying. But I didn't start like that. There was a time when I started learning, training myself to pray. I remember the time I started and uh, I, was, I told myself I was going to pray for 15 minutes, the early days. And then I prayed, I prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues. I thought, ah, I've done 35. I've given God more than he required. And I looked at the time. It was 10 minutes. Ah. I said, all these prayers. <laughs> you realize that? All these prayers. How can someone pray for one hour? But then I started, I started growing, I started growing, I started growing. And you know, you realize that sometimes you go in the midst of people also, and they say, we're going to pray for two hours. Or we're going to pray for three hours, for instance. If you see the way people start to pray, you will know if they were praying privately like that. We say we're going to pray for two hours. And from the word go, you have started shouting at the top of your voice. Yeah, you won't last. After one hour, 30 minutes, you now look for a chance, sit down. Then after like two hours, you will now kneel down. And put your head like you are gone. <laughs> you are gone. You are gone. You, and there are people that can sleep. They walk miracles. They will just be shaking their leg. And you think they are praying with you. You only realize that they are not praying where you now say, let's share the grace. And then everybody, everybody stands up and they are still praying. You now realize that this guy was praying to an unknown God. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You see, because even though you are praying to God, you're using your natural energy. So if you're going to pray for a long time, you don't start out. You pray, you just pray gradually and, and you pray to a point, you'll discover that the Spirit of God will take over you. At that point, the time will no longer matter. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. But these things are the things you can train yourself in. Train yourself in them. Time yourself. Don't deceive yourself that ah, I can pray. No, tell yourself, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. And sometimes it's very easy. You can pray the scriptures. For instance, I know most of you will like that. Psalm 91. <laughs> you can pray it verse by verse. Verse by verse. And just tell yourself, I'll spend five minutes on each verse. I'll spend five minutes on each verse. By the time you calculate the number of verses, you'll get up to maybe an hour. You can, take Isaiah. You can just take scriptures, but read the scripture first before you pray. It's not that in the midst of scripture, you now realize that, I mean, that was judgment. Say, I will release low cost upon you and you will die. <laughs> oh God, release low cost on me, Lord. 
<laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Remember when we youth service, you know, uh, ESCO, we had all these ESCO, they said, ah, we should pray for the team of the month. You know, some things, eh, you don't use democracy in the things of the spirit. It's not like APC primaries, you understand what I'm saying? You know, so they say, let's pray. What's going to be the theme of this generation? And we had this beautiful sister on fire for God. And uh, she came and said, ah, the Lord has given her the theme. So, yeah, I mean, they asked me. I said, well, I, there was nothing. Whatever you put, choose is fine. You can go with any theme you are <laughs> chosen. And then the sister came and said, God give her a scripture from the book of Jeremiah. I said, have you read it? Say, no, that's it's, it's directly from the Lord. <laughs> if something has come directly from the Lord, what do you want us to say? So we opened the scripture. Ah, man, it was a scripture. <laughs> <sighs> you know when God is angry with Israel, when Israel has gone after other gods? You know when God starts releasing some judgment? You say that it's only God that can think of this kind of judgment. Like a human being, we just open the verse. Lions shall come out and eat you. Ah, so, <laughs> in my usual way, so I now say, well, this. It's the generation where the lions shall eat us up. <laughs> so, 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 if, so if you are praying scriptures, uh, please read the scriptures first, okay? And before you pray, amen. Oh, <laughs> praise God. Galatians 6, 9. Let's close now. Galatians 6, 9. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... You will do what? You will reap. You should know all these scriptures. These are scriptures you should, in fact, we should be doing memory verses now. Okay? No, learn it. I do that for myself. I try to memorize scriptures. Galatians 6. I know the one that everybody remembers. Philippians 4.19. What does it say? Oh, beautiful. Galatians 6.9. And let's not grow. Let's quickly read. Let's quickly read. Verse... verse uh, Seven, do not be deceived. God is not more. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But look at this. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Look at this. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, of course, in the context of this verse, he was talking about giving, ministering to those who minister to you and giving to the to, the, to those in the household of faith. But I want you to see something he said about weariness, that you can only reap if you do not lose heart. And that's what Jesus told them in Luke chapter 18. What did he tell them? He says, you ought always to pray and not lose heart. That means we cannot reap the rewards of our prayers if we lose heart. Hallelujah. And this thing right here is not what anybody can do for you. Tell your neighbor you have to cultivate your own prayer life. Come on, let's say it one more time. Say, you have to cultivate your own prayer life. There's nothing like, I've been encouraging my wife to pray, and my wife is just discouraging me. You have been encouraging her to pray. Now she's the one discouraging you, and you're telling us that you have received discouragement. No. There's a time to pray as husband and wife. There's a time to pray your own prayers. Praise the name of the Lord. How many of you know that God isn't going to judge you as Mr. and Mrs.? So, all right, well, <laughs> I'm just using this according to the way we know. So, and God wants to judge and say, Mr. and Mrs., come. <laughs> you are accountable to God for your own life. 
So if your husband has a weak prayer life, it's not an excuse for your own prayer life to be weak. If your wife has a weak prayer life, it's not an excuse for your own prayer life to be weak. We are accountable to God for our own lives. Praise the name of the Lord. And we cannot have excuses why we are not praying. We cannot say it's because of the children. You cannot say it's because of your job. Because you remember that that job that is making you not to pray, you asked God for it in the first place. And God gave it to you. So you cannot use what God has given to you as an excuse not to do the things of God. That is idolatry. You have converted your worship from God to what he gives. Praise the name of the Lord. As a minister of the gospel, we cannot say ministry is making us not to pray. Hallelujah. So, so we, we want to commit ourselves to continue our prayer. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.